the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Oh, no, we're live. We are live in studio today on this Monday, the 7th of February. And uh, temperature-wise, just to bring, sort of bring you up to date, make sure that we, we know that we are live, right? What are we? We're like 42 degrees. Yeah, it was. it's... it's 42. I didn't wear a coat. What? I mean, I carried it. I didn't wear it. No, in the back of your head, didn't you hear your mom say... That's how you get sick. Yeah, but that's we know that that's not true, right? Wait, that's is not there how. Really? You, well, you don't get sick from being cold. I well, mean, you get sick from having uh, catching a virus or having an well, infection of some sort. You don't catch it from just being cold. What do you get? Do you get sick if you're all sweaty and then you walk out in the cold? No. Are you sure about that? No, I, because I, I, I'm a talk see, show host and I, not a physician, so I, I should shut up because there gonna, are people with medical degrees who are like, boy, is she an idiot? No, you know, I'm just, you know, what your mother would no, tell you that as well, so. right? I don't think so. Hey, I'm all sweaty, but I'm going to go outside. Or oh, I guess I guess you would see the army of young men wearing shorts on a day like today and think, oh, I guess they're I all going to get stand, sick. I can't stand You know how I feel about that. It's okay. I mean, they're just, you know. You know a, how I feel about it's that. It's just virility on parade. It's, it's, it's just... It, it's really? Okay. Like you have to prove it's to us okay. how strong you are no, that you no. are going to wear shorts and it's 10 degrees. It's a comfort level thing. That's all it it's is. It has nothing to do with comfort. I think so. No, it's, it's, trying, to, go, it's trying to prove a point. Do you think so? Yes. When you see God, when when you saw Mr. Fetterman wearing shorts when the bridge collapsed, you didn't think that was a thing? Well, listen, that's a whole other story. He's a very large man. He may be a generating furnace of heat. So putting on a pair okay. of pants might just drive him crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm not pu- I'm not sticking up for the guy. Okay. I'm just saying. Wait, but, but Funny that you bring that up because when I do see that, uh, of course, I, you tend to roll your eyes. Because it's... Because he's an adult. Yes, and it's about image. It's not about... He's lieutenant governor. Right. Yeah, that's all. That's a whole other story. I didn't mean to bring that up. I'm sorry. Well, I was like, this didn't come up in the pre-show. No, meeting. it did not. It kind of ran off the curve there. Anyway, how was the, how was your Sunday? How was it, your church worship? It was. Uh, I I enjoyed church worship a lot yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I saw some people I hadn't seen in a long time, so Excellent. it was super fun. Always really good. appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, heard a good message yesterday. Very nice. Yeah, I really I, th- I thought it was particularly. You know, it's a good message when you reflect on it. Hours after the fact. Mm, did you experience that? I did, as a matter of fact, in my sermon. Okay. I mean, I didn't preach. In, the sermon. <laughs> in John's own sermon. He preached to nobody. He just spoke alone in a room. Can you imagine what but that would be like? he reflected on it. Yeah, I'm going to preach a sermon. Heaven help us is what I would be saying again and again. Yeah, we all have different gifts, Thank John. You. Well, as we always do, Kath, especially on a Monday, we want to look at the uh, national news. Or lo- news, I just should say, local or national. So without further ado, please give us news stories, the top four at four. For Monday, February 7th, John, 2022, number one. Yesterday marked the 70th anniversary of Britain's Queen Elizabeth's ascension to the throne. Wow. 
called back from a foreign trip February 6, 1952, when her father, King George VI, died. Elizabeth is now officially the longest reigning British monarch in history, a royal line going back at least a thousand years. That is so cool. I Isn't love it. it so great that we get to see that? Yep. And if you're a fan of The Crown, right, you saw Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, it's fabulous. So she's 95. Wow. Um, she has uh, met and interacted with 14 U.S. presidents. Shoot. She met Dwight Eisenhower in 1957 and then every American leader after that except for LBJ. I'm not sure why there was no connection there. but Short connection. Anyway, yesterday she even offered her blessing for Prince Charles' wife, Camilla, yeah. to be called Queen Consort and... upon him becoming a king. But is he ever going to become king at this point? We don't even know. We should just I'm sure that. he's he's lost any hope or interest in and the office. Camilla, the whole Diana thing, you know. It's a lot, isn't it's it? It's a lot. It's kind of messy. Anyway. But. I mean, we're not too far removed from Wallace Simpson. And now all of a sudden we're going to have Camilla as the queen consort? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Number two. Pittsburgh is looking to address complaints about snow and ice removal by adding a dozen plows to its fleet. Did you hear about a this? Dozen. A dozen. Go Pittsburgh. Yeah. According to the trip, the legislation is going to reallocate $470,000 from the capital budget to buy six new plows and rent six more for the rest of the winter season. Uh, the trip reports that the city's fleet is about twice as old as it should be, meaning vehicles are often out of service for maintenance. Um, last year, though, if you're excited about this new news about the new plows, the yep. ones to be rented and the ones to be purchased, well, don't get too excited oh. because last year the city ordered 17 additional snow plows, but global supply chain issues have delayed their delivery. So we haven't gotten them yet. <laughs> okay. So these six that we're getting now, who knows when they're going to come. Number three. Coast Guard authorities say 18 people were rescued from an ice flow that broke away in Lake Erie over the weekend. What? Yeah, officials said a helicopter noticed a group of people on this ice flow near Ohio's Catawba Island at 1 p.m. yesterday. They had several ATVs that were trying to get back to land and just broke off and were like headed out to sea. According to U.S. News & World Report, a helicopter lowered a rescue swimmer and lifted seven people from the ice flow. An airboat rescued four others. Then there were seven people left. They were picked up and taken to shore by a good Samaritan who also had an airboat on the scene. Is that Lake Erie? Uh Uh-huh. And number four. For the fourth year in a row, Pittsburgh stands above all other cities. The single best place for a football fan to be. I had no idea. I know. It's shocking, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Gary here on the show today is very excited about it. Mm. In Wallet Hub's 2022 Best and Worst Cities for Football Fans, the organization looked at 245 U.S. cities. Whoa. That's a lot of cities in Pittsburgh again. Number one. Named number one among all pro team cities and number seven among all college team cities. They considered such things like number of teams, average ticket price and fan friendliness mm-hmm. we score high in the friendliness quotient dallas came in second green bay third rounding out the top 10 boston la new york miami new orleans cincinnati and indianapolis according to the trip though browns fans are at 26th and ravens are 16th so yeah. too bad so sad that is your top four Wait. Who's number 245? Any idea? No. Like, who's the bottom of the list? No, like I don't the know. Worst? They didn't say that. It might be like, what do you think it'd be? San Diego, maybe? Well, no, but well. I mean, it's just some places you kind of go, eh, it's too nice out there. I'm not going to the game. Yeah, well, San Diego would be one right? of those places. I ah, forget it. I'm just going to go to the beach instead. Right. Right? There's got to be a lot of that, don't you think? A ton of it. Yeah. I mean, when you're in that kind of climate and you think I could go yeah. surfing, I could go sit at the beach, I could eat outside, I could take a walk, right. I could hike, I could do whatever. And 
probably going to watch the Chargers who you don't even have anymore. Right. You know, isn't high on the list, which might be why they don't have them anymore. So does that say, you know, maybe that reflects badly on Pittsburgh because we got nothing else going on. Well, look, look at the weather. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Right? I mean, we have pierogies. I'll take a few. All right. A few pounds. When's the last time you had a pierogi? It's been a while. Like how long? Uh, probably a year. I would think. I've had ravioli. But not pierogi. It's not the same. No, I'm not, what do you mean? I've had ravioli. It's, it's not part of my lineage, like it is. Yeah, like you know, it's yeah. not in, in my blood. I understand. You know, I just feel I've bad for you. It's not, it's not, it's I know, not. but I'm saying you know, they're cousins. They're I know, but you can't generalize. I'm asking a specific question, no, looking for a specific answer. It's just been a while. All right. How I mean, about you? Uh Christmas Eve. Okay. All right, when I had a lot, and then the day after, uh, day after Christmas, when I had leftovers. Sorry for you. Coming up next, Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent, joins us in his weekly stint on the show. This week in the nation's capital, we'll talk about the latest on Ukraine. The former VP says Trump was wrong about the ability to overturn the election and Mar-a-Lago stuff. 101.5 WORD. I won! I won! Yes! And we want you to win, too. So sign up to receive our contests and sweepstakes updates. Each Friday, you can see new opportunities to win. We regularly give out prizes from books, music, and merchandise to household items, even vacation trips or car payments. Stay up on all the fun. Subscribe to our contests and sweepstakes updates mailed each Friday. Sign up today at wordfm.com slash subscribe. My son is in the second grade at our local public school, and yet somehow he gets to attend a Bible class during his school day. Because of LifeWise Academy. We're seeing public school students from urban, rural, and suburban communities who have never heard the basic stories of how Jesus came to rescue us. Hey, Word FM listeners. I'm Joel Penton, founder of LifeWise Academy, and we bring Bible education to public school students during the school day. Believe it or not, in 1952, the Supreme Court ruled that students can actually be released from public school during school hours to receive religious instruction. However, almost no one knows it's possible. LifeWise Academy provides the structure and tools for local communities to put to work. This program is taking off nationwide and our kids' futures are being changed. Would you consider leading the charge to start a LifeWise in your neighborhood school? The first step is to voice your support at LifeWiseAcademy.org. McQueen Building Company. It's about our people, but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear. It was a pleasure working with McQueen. Everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction. I'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends. Jeff works hard, is committed to success, and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome. I highly recommend Jeff, his work ethic, and his commitment to excellence. McQueen Building Company. See our work for yourself at McQueenBuildingCompany.com. What is a neighbor? This is Greg Trzynski at the Original Mattress Factory. We believe a neighbor is more than just someone who lives nearby. A good neighbor treats you with honesty and respect and works with you to build a better community. At OMF, you can expect to be treated like a neighbor. We offer our locally made, hand-built mattresses and box springs at a factory direct value because we know you deserve the best. Visit an OMF location today to experience the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Year after year, it's the same routine. Drop off the taxes, pick up the taxes, leave a check. 
Maybe it's time to work with a business CPA who is less transactional and more relational. For Mike Radich and the team at MGR CPA and Consultants, it's about more than crunching the numbers. It's about getting the advice you need for complex tax issues and business solutions. It's just a better return. MGR CPA and Consultants. Honesty, integrity, always at MGRCPA.com. Every Monday, we kick off the week by going to the White House, where Greg Clarkson joins us. Greg Clarkson is the SRN News White House correspondent. Hey, Greg, a happy Monday to you. How are things in the uh, nation's capital? Hey, good afternoon. Doing well. Good to be with uh, you guys on the ride home this afternoon. Great. Nice to hear from you, Greg, as always. Um, so, so much activity, so much conversation going on about Ukraine, about the Russian buildup of military forces, about U.S. involvement, you know, sending troops, NATO support, all that. Tell us what the latest is. Well, the latest is something we just heard from President Biden as he was at a joint press conference here at the White House in the East Room with the visiting German chancellor. Really? And while there isn't maybe anything brand new in terms of uh, the current threat situation, in terms of a possible Russian invasion, and we've been hearing over the weekend, for example, U.S. and military officials saying that uh, it is possible that there could be some sort of military invasion at any day, meaning that the capability is there, the troop numbers, the equipment positions are there for the Russians. But what what the conversation today here at the press conference was surrounding on, uh, surrounded was uh, a, a, a country like Germany that has a pipeline in the process of 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 being turned on between Russia and Germany to provide fuel and energy to Germany. And there have been a lot of questions about whether Germany was going to be really on board with other NATO countries and, and the United States in terms of if there is a Russian invasion, would they uh, agree to firm sanctions? Because obviously Germany would be greatly affected if there was any sort of disruption in the energy supply. And uh, so that was, that's a big concern for the uh, the, the German leader. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, because the German leader just a few minutes ago did not ever discuss on his own this pipeline uh, that the United States is really mm-hmm. opposed to because they feel that it, it gives, you know, a lot of leverage to, uh, to sure. Vladimir Putin. But it's, what was really interesting is that the president said that if there is an invasion, if Russian troops and tanks go across the border into Ukraine, uh, there would obviously be severe economic sanctions, something this White House has been saying for some time now, many, many weeks. But he also said that there would be there would this uh, this pipeline would not uh, would not happen between Russia and Germany. And the uh, the reporter said, well, well, how will the, the United States do that? Because it's physically <laughs> in Europe running between Russia and Germany. And the president paused and said, I promise you it won't happen, meaning the pipeline won't happen. And the German chancellor, while he didn't discuss this pipeline specifically, he said that he and the United States are in complete agreement about mm. how uh, how things will go forward. So it's really interesting to see the dynamic, not just between the U.S. and NATO versus Vladimir Putin, but uh, within uh, uh, countries that obviously are concerned about a military threat, but how those relationships are going to work among those partners. And we saw that on display here just a little while ago. And regardless of what the German chancellor says, they cannot, Germans can't be happy to hear that. Well, no. And, and President Biden said, look, it's it's not just a one way street. Would there be uh, an interruption of uh, a fuel supply? Yes, there would, he said. But he also said 
that would be very damaging economically to Russia. They don't have a lot of exports, and they rely on selling this oil, this energy as well. And so, again, the White House, uh, the president, uh, looking at my notes here just from a few minutes ago, he just, he just said it would be a gigantic mistake for Vladimir Putin to uh, okay mm-hmm. an invasion. Hmm. So all these things are mounting, mm-hmm. uh, but it still feels as though Vladimir Putin is on a fast track. And, uh, you know, there was just, you know, speaking of our allies, our German allies, uh, Putin uh, was at the Olympics with uh, one of his allies, uh, Xi. I mean, so the the lines are clearly drawn here, and uh, it, it sort of has life of its own at this point, doesn't it, Greg? It, it really does. And it's also worth pointing out, you guys, that the United States, the White House, the Pentagon, the State Department, officials in this administration still say, even though that they are very concerned about the possibility of a Russian invasion, they say there is a diplomatic path still available. There is an mm-hmm. off-ramp here for Vladimir Putin. And so diplomatic efforts are, are not uh, being stalled here. There hasn't been a lot of progress in that area, but those are still uh, available options for the Russians to consider. Very good. We're talking with Greg Clugston. Greg Clugston is the SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, uh, let's move forward and speak about uh, former Vice President Trump. Um, sorry, Vi- Vice President Pence. Friday, he uh, appeared before the Federalist Group and uh, made some statements that uh, reached back into the presidency about the involvement on January 6th. Please talk to us about that. Right. This date, January 6th, not going away anytime soon. That comes as no surprise, of course. There's an ongoing congressional investigation and a panel that's been set up looking into the events of of that day. And, of course, it was Vice President Pence who was at the Capitol, and he was presiding over the the Electoral College uh, vote that was going to be certified that day. And, of course, that was the day that uh, there was the the breach of security at the uh, the U.S. Capitol, and uh, Pence and his family and his aides and associates were, along with a lot of other members of Congress, were uh, taken into hiding there. But what was uh, and what has transpired over the last year plus since then is that Mike Pence has on occasion said, yes, Donald Trump and I disagree about that day. But he hadn't really gone much beyond that. Last Friday, John, as you just point out, he in this speech to the Federalist Society said, bluntly and directly that Donald Trump was wrong to suggest that the vice president had the authority, has the authority to uh, to essentially overturn a presidential election, to rebuff or reject uh, the electors coming from the states to certify the election. And he said he couldn't think of anything more un-American than one individual, a vice president, overturning the uh, the wishes of the American people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Based on the magnitude of that day, it's not surprising that we're still talking about the end results and the implications. But it is surprising to me that we're still talking about what they're talking about, which is whether it was, you know, okay for the VP to do that or not. It seems like that is something that that America decided very quickly after January 6th, and yet it's 13 months later, and apparently it's not decided. No, and Donald Trump has not given up on his view that uh, it's it's Mike Pence who failed in, right. in his duty there to uh, to right a wrong as as Donald Trump sees it, and a lot of his supporters uh, believe that there was enough of there was enough election fraud to uh, to change the results of the election. And uh, Pence and others have simply said no, that was not uh, that was not their constitutional authority on that day. Hmm. 
So, Greg, let's move forward to talk about the White House, about uh, a scientist at the White House who's been accused of inappropriate behavior. Uh, to be honest, I didn't know that the White House had a, a scientist on the staff. Talk to us about that. Yeah, this person is uh, named Dr. Eric Lander, and his official title is Director of the Office of Science and Technology Policy. And uh, this has become a, a cabinet-level position in the Biden administration. So it's not just uh, some underling here at the White House or in the administration, someone of, of, of importance in terms of uh, relationship with the president and uh, influence in policy and decision-making. Uh, Dr. Lander, uh, it has come to light, uh, the Washington Post and Politico reporting uh, on this on this matter, that uh, there is evidence there were workplace complaints within the administration that this individual uh, bullied and demeaned fellow staffers uh, over a period of time. And so there was uh, an internal review that uh, took place. Evidence was found, has been reprimanded but is not losing his job. He is being able to stay on and uh, some corrective actions are being taken according to the White House and that his um, he will be monitored for compliance uh, moving forward. What makes this really interesting is if we rewind to Inauguration Day last year, President Biden in a speech to brand new employees of his administration made it clear that he would fire on the spot anybody that he heard demeaning or not showing respect to anybody else on staff within his administration. Mm. And so the White House today really forced at the briefing today, Jen Psaki, the the press secretary, took a lot of questions on this, trying to explain why why that is a a policy that keeps this man in place based on what the president had said. Interesting. So these allegations uh, against Mr. Lander are since he since he took this position at the White House and, and not before? Yes, since uh, in his role in the administration, there were questions about uh, him during his confirmation process and all the rest. Right. But this is separate. This has happened while he was here. And the idea that, uh, you know, this was a zero tolerance policy yet. Uh, Apparently not. Maybe it's a one or two strikes you're out. But uh, that was the tough position that the press secretary was in earlier today. Interesting. We're talking with Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, let's go back and talk about a story that's making the rounds today about the, the Trump administration once again and uh, documents from the National Archives. That, uh, apparently, people have been going around and uh, retaping um, uh, pieces of paper that President Trump tore up. And now there are some boxes at Mar-a-Lago that have been picked up by the National Archives as well. This is a very interesting, very odd story. Right. And again, we're getting uh, these reports from The Washington Post and Politico initially. And uh, there have been there has been confirmation from the National Archives and the Records Administration, which handles all documents with any administration. Uh, And there is uh, there is a law on the books, by the way, uh, called the Presidential Records Act. And that requires every president, every administration to keep and to preserve and at the end of their terms in office, have presidents turn over to the archives any sort of written communication, memos, letters, emails, faxes, anything like that uh, pertaining to official presidential duties. Apparently, this uh, did not happen uh, entirely with uh, outgoing Donald Trump. uh, And that uh, over the last month, 15 boxes of documents were retrieved by the archives at the Mar-a-Lago residence of where, where Donald Trump lives in Florida. Uh, and so what's interesting is that there is what was included in some of these boxes. Uh, 
some some correspondence with foreign leaders, for example, and also a letter, a succession letter that is uh, a tradition in the White House when an outgoing president leaves a personal letter for the incoming president, usually in the desk drawer in the Oval Office. And apparently uh, the Bill Clinton, um, not I'm sorry, not Bill Clinton, but Barack Obama letter uh, that was addressed to Donald Trump was among those items. Interesting. Wow. And so perhaps former President Trump didn't realize that anyone else would be interested in that or that that was not to be preserved for posterity. Well, not only were boxes of documents taken, but as John said, that there are reports uh, that, you know, some of the documents had been ripped up, had been, uh, you know, torn into pieces and some were taped up uh, in, an, in this, you know, trying to be reassembled and others were just uh, still in pieces. Uh, so so the there's National this poor little archivist who's like. Exactly. Try, trying to like reassemble the jigsaw puzzle of the material and we should and also, say yeah, go ahead greg well i i don't know maybe you're going to mention this john but uh you remember the relationship that donald trump had with uh, the north korean leader kim jong-un yeah, yeah. sure uh he said that he uh, had received letters from him in their correspondence and uh he he referred to them on a couple of occasions during his administration uh, that he referred to them as love letters, meaning that there was a very positive and encouraging uh, uh, relationship between him and Kim Jong-un. And apparently these, quote unquote, love letters also in these documents. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see those letters. Sure, you? of course. I'm sure a lot of people would. Um, before you leave us, Greg, I want to ask you about how it works. You've been in the White House employed there for, you know, almost two decades, probably. Do you have any relationship with uh, with an archivist? Do you have any, do you have to submit anything in writing for posterity? Yeah. You and your colleagues? Well, besides the transcripts of our conversations here on the right home. <laughs> Which, of course, no. are uh, number yeah. one concern Thank to the archivist. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, uh, the archives do not do not pertain to members of the press corps. So there we go. And, you know, love letters to my wife. They're off limits as well. Sure. Very good. OK, last news for you. Did you hear that the National Zoo's oldest flamingo has passed away? Mm. I did not hear that. I hate Great to be news. I hate to be bringing you news from your hometown, but I, I'm here to tell exactly. I'm here to tell you that Betty has passed away at the age of 67. Mm -hmm. Sorry. 67 mm -hmm. is is that a is that a typical age? No, it's not. The oldest age generally for flamingo captivity is 20 to 25. So Betty doing very very well in those end stages of her life. Wow. She I'm wasn't bothered by the she wasn't bothered by the political division, Greg. Right. So. Yeah. Nope, she carried on for decades. <laughs> Very good. Nice to see you. Greg, thanks an awful lot. You're bringing us up thanks. to date. A lot going on in Washington, D.C. You bring a measure of clarity to this, so we always appreciate your time here. Thank you. Greg Clarkston, SR News White House correspondent, the aforementioned Flamingo. We'll talk about that next, of course. It's a ride home with John and Kathy. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero right now get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee through dollar bank with prices set to increase on all exterior products lock in your quote today schedule a free estimate at windowsarustpittsburgh.com find them at the pittsburgh home show going on now and the pittsburgh remodeling expo at heinz field beginning february 11th windows are us. You've tried the rest, now try the 
Where can you find a high-quality, locally hand-built mattress at a factory direct value? Only here at the Original Mattress Factory. Our factory direct business model allows us to provide a better quality mattress at a better price when compared to mainstream mattress brands. That's because we manufacture our mattresses in our local factories and sell them directly to you, eliminating the middleman markup and saving you money. And we can provide fast local delivery as well as pick up seven days a week at our factory location. Visit an original mattress factory location near you. Did you know that when you buy a mattress from a retail store, that mattress is being sold for the second time? What do I mean? Well, the manufacturer sells the mattress to the retailer, who in turn sells it to you with costs and markups for both parties. This is Greg Trzynski, and at the Original Mattress Factory, we have our own factory right here at our store. So the mattress you buy is being sold for the first and only time. That's why our prices are hundreds less than the mainstream brands. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Your life, your hopes, and whatever you were searching for at 1.15 a.m., it's really none of our business, and it shouldn't be anyone else's. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. As a veteran media sales professional, a six-figure income is within your reach. I'm Andrew Pawaski, General Sales Manager of Word FM. Here at Salem Media Pittsburgh, we offer highly experienced sales and marketing professionals like you all the support and tools necessary to reach your earning potential through custom on-air campaigns, unique events, and over 50 social media and digital products. To learn more about our open position, please email me at andrew at salempittsburgh.com. Salem Media is an equal opportunity employer. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Low clouds expected for tonight. We could see a late night flurry with a low of 18. Tomorrow, cloudy skies for the morning hours, then intervals of clouds and sunshine in the afternoon. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 30. Mostly cloudy skies for tomorrow night with a low of 26. As we head to the middle of the week on Wednesday, we'll see mostly cloudy skies with a high of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. It's Monday, so we thought, well, perfect time to bring you a story for the birds. A Monday story for the birds, which includes a story about a flamingo. Aren't the flamingos beautiful? They are spectacular. The nation's oldest flamingo, a popular pink lady known as Betty, has passed away in the Washington Zoo at the age of 67. The zoo announced over the weekend that Betty died on January 25th, noting that the median lifespan for a flamingo in captivity is a mere 26 years of age, making Betty pretty remarkable. Her longevity is a testament to the dedication and care of our birdhouse team, the zoo said in a statement, adding that it will conduct a pathology report to better understand <laughs> Betty's remarkable okay. good health. All right, great. So, so Betty hangs out all those years, and then she... Find yourself on the table. I know. So, I salute Betty. Mm. I like how you called her the pink lady. I wonder if could they they could tell which one was Betty? Oh, I'm they sure. seem very similar when yeah. you look at a group of flamingos. No, I'm sure. Plus, they have bands on them. I'm sure. Right. Okay. Betty sure. lived the first years of her life in the wild. That may be the key here. Zookeepers believe now, why she is that hatched the key? around because, 1954. You know, why? you know why? Because you don't like you feel you feel badly for animals in zoos. I do. I feel like they're protected and cared for. Oh, well. She lived her first years. She was uh, hatched around 54 and then, quote, acquired by the zoo 
in 76, mm. which means basically she was in prison the rest of her life. <laughs> Zookeeper said Betty liked to stand at the edge of the zoo's flock, keeping watch over the other birds, and that they often gave her eggs that they were ready to hatch so that she would raise newborn flamingos. She had one chick of her own and many generations of foster chicks. That's wonderful. It says sterling life for Betty. Right. You ever see a, a flock of wild flamingos? Have you ever gone anywhere? Like you know, mm, I don't think I've ever flamingo. S- I don't think I've ever seen wild flamingos. Have you? Uh, in Florida, I have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just beautiful. I mean, you know, they're, oh my they're everywhere. So beautiful. Gorgeous. How about the story that we talked about uh, maybe last week, which was Jonathan, the 190-year-old turtle. Oh, right. Who was celebrating his birthday. Yeah. I mean, he's still 67 alive. is good, but 190. Yeah, exactly. You know, he, he's still living the good life on, uh, I forget what island he lives on. Not the Galapagos. Oh, Seychelles. Okay. Now, listen, I want to go back to the flamingos because remember the trend Right where people would put the plastic flamingos in, in their, their yard. In their yard, what right? is that? I and forgot. Na- yeah, like they would like be. Th- and now you see that people flamingo. They like sort of mess with other people, and you'll wake up in the morning and your friends have put out a f- fifty or seventy-five sure. plastic flamingos in your. But it yard. wasn't a joke at first. No, it was a decor. It, it was, was like a lawn, or- lawn ornamentation. Yes. Like along with the glass ball. Where would that have come from? Now the glass ball, though, has more historic roots. That's yeah. a that's a that's a British thing, I believe, from an English garden perspective. What do right. you call that ball thing know. that sits on a? It has. I gave one of those as a wedding present. You know, time. like the garden balls. They're like the they're they can be blue. They sit on a pedestal and they're in an English garden, garden. balls. Garden balls. <laughs> That's from our producer, Gary. Thanks for that clarification there, Gary. I don't don't think that's what they're called. The old garden ball. But no, but the flamingo thing, I I would imagine, to me, that kind of feels like America 1950s. Yeah, I think you're right. When, you know, post-World War II, Florida was considered exotic, Mm -hmm. and people were traveling for the first time, you know, en masse, and go, I'm bringing back a little slice of Florida with me and putting out these. So this plastic flamingo will remind me of what it was like in Orlando. Because you would see those. Like, you know, even in, you know. Growing up in Swissville, you go, what do you say flamingo doing on Milligan Avenue? You felt bad for the ones at the zoo. Oh, Imagine please. the ones that ended up in Swissville. Exactly. What the heck? Gazing ball is what A it's gazing called. Gazing ball. Mm-hmm. Very nice indeed. All right. All right. Coming up next, Dr. Carl Truman will join us. Uh, the, yeah. the priestly cast, he calls it, of America's artistic elite. What does Whoopi Goldberg's recent statements about race tell us about how we are and what we think of in today's America? Hold on to your hat. That's next on The Ride Home. 101.5 WORD. The Word of God. It's bold. It's direct. It cuts across the grain of popular culture. It illuminates the mind and transforms the soul. Its meaning doesn't change. It applies to everyone, everywhere. Hi, friend. This is John MacArthur encouraging you to find out what the Bible means by what it says. Join me for clear teaching from God's compelling Word every Monday through Friday right here on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. You know what you could do? You could put in a massive swimming pool in your basement and fill it with Skittles. Ah, Skittles. There'd be a big light-up slide. And you could slide headfirst into Skittle heaven. Hey, it's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And maybe never in the history of time have we had a moment where home values have skyrocketed this much while interest rates have dropped this much. And what that has brought into play for now, for so many Word FM listeners, is the cash-out refinance loan. Some listeners are using that newfound equity or money to pay off debt 
or to do some very cool home upgrades at a time where our homes might continue to be more and more important. But hey, a Skittle Paradise could also be cool. If you're curious about your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Before Bamboo HR, <laughs> I feel like crying just thinking about it. We were still handling everything via paper, and we literally had paper stacked. It was all in spreadsheets and, like, folders. From the moment I started using it, I felt calmer. As soon as we started using the Bamboo, like, onboarding checklist, I mean, <laughs> it was extremely easy. Headcount, turnover, uh, years of service. Like, there's just so many different ports that I use at different points in time. I'm like totally set free to focus on the people, to focus on development, to focus on team dynamics. It's freeing me up to do more of the stuff that actually matters in HR, which is interacting with people, learning from them, and then building stuff for them. Everything is in this one place. I can't even imagine what it would be like without Bamboo HR. We're Bamboo HR, and we'd love to set you free to do great work. Come try our award-winning all-in-one HR software for free with no strings attached. Visit BambooHR.com slash HR for this free trial offer. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. McQueen Building Company. It's about our people, but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear. It was a pleasure working with McQueen. Everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction. I'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends. Jeff works hard, is committed to success, and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome. I highly recommend Jeff, his work ethic, and his commitment to excellence. McQueen Building Company. See our work for yourself at McQueenBuildingCompany.com. We're talking just a few minutes ago about Queen Elizabeth celebrating her 70 years as reigning over the British Empire. You know, the ruling class, right? 70 years. And of course, here in America, our ruling class is <laughs> the coconuts in Congress and, you know, Washington, D.C. Or, and our sports stars. Yeah. Well, our, and music. We have an entertainment class Yeah, the as entertainment well, right? class, that's what I would call it. Right? That uh, kind of encompasses all of them. And uh, part of that entertainment class is, is watching them fumble around, <laughs> not knowing a whole heck of a lot oftentimes, <laughs> and speaking uh, in ignorance. Case in point, last week, Whoopi Goldberg. Here to talk to us about uh, the priestly cast of America's artistic elite is Dr. Carl Truman from Grove City College, where he is part of the D Department of Biblical and Religious Studies at Grove City. And Carl, welcome back to the show. Great to be back. Thanks for having me on again. Carl, so it was a week ago that Whoopi Goldberg said something like, you know, the Holocaust wasn't really about race. It was about man's, man's inhumanity. inhumanity to man. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was probably 30 seconds later, people started, you know, blowing up Twitter and every other social media platform about what is she talking about? And I will give her credit that she apologized for it. It seemed sincere. Um, however, I think the, the thing that was most shocking to me, Carl, and I want to get your read on this, is that, you know, that seems like a really big faux pas. She gets a, a two-week suspension. But you, there are people who've put out some errant tweet that somebody found from 13 years ago, Kevin Hart, and he would, you know, all of a sudden he's publicly shamed and can't host the Academy Awards again. Um, this was very immediate. I'm surprised it wasn't worse. Yes, it is interesting that it does seem that one rule applies to certain people and uh, another rule applies to others. This, of course, was not Whoopi Goldberg's first, or I would say maybe even her most offensive comment. Uh, I think it was in about 2015 when, of course, it was very cool to be in favor of Roma Polanski at that point in time. Uh, she made this distinction between rape and what she called rape-rape. 
Uh, and what Polanski had done to this underage girl was somehow considered by Ms. Goldberg to be less serious than, than real rape, than rape rape. Well, that's the kind of comment that is both remarkable in its stupidity and stunning in its offensiveness. So it's not as if she's a first-time offender. But as you rightly say, there are, there are ordinary Joes. Uh, in this world who will have some tweet of a far less significance and offensiveness dug up from 10, 15 years ago, and it can be career-ending or uh, misgendering somebody in a public school classroom could lead to the end of a career uh, in a way that the Hollywood elite really, I think they indulge themselves. They allow themselves uh, to do things that they would not tolerate among other people, people right. like us. And Carl, what's interesting, I mean, so many facets of it are, is that, you know, as she's making the comments, she's surrounded by her other co-hosts on the show, and no one refuted her assertions about race. Everyone just kind of nodded their head, you know, and it just kind of went on from there. You would imagine, and, and I don't know this to be true, that Whoopi Goldberg probably had never read a book about the Holocaust in her life and was able to shoot from the hip just freely because she's so comfortable in that position that no matter what she says, everyone, her co-hosts include nod their head and just move it along yeah i would agree i think uh, i mean I, is whoopi goldberg a particularly evil person no, no. is she a very bright person no. no i think the sort of comment she makes is the kind of comment that if it was made in my classroom i would correct the student immediately and you know not rebuke them so much as just point out some of the facts and and educate them uh, in a better way she has a platform given to her because she happens to be an actress, a media personality, not because she has any particular gift for commenting on public affairs or on history uh, in any intelligent way. And, and, you know, and that's interesting that we, we ascribe this sort of power to her and her co-hosts uh, on the basis really of their competence in some other field. They're no more competent to comment on the Holocaust than the average plumber or electrician yes. or in the biblical and religious studies department at Grove City College would be. But they're allowed to comment on these things because somehow their acting ability or their status in the artistic community grants them that authority. In other words, we grant them that authority mm -hmm. because we place a premium on the culture to which they belong. Right. And there, and there is something, uh, there is a sickness that we show because I think someone like Whoopi Goldberg was put in that position, Carl, probably not because of her acting skills, but because she's an interesting personality. Um, she has a little, she, she seems like an iconoclast. Um, and so people want to hear what someone like that would say about X, Y, and Z, but there's very little patience um, when you cross the line. And I guess that, again, getting back to the point I made first, it's still curious to me that it wasn't worse. And why do you think, why is she different? I mean, I brought up the Kevin Hart thing about the tweet he made, you know, I think it was 11, seriously, 11 years prior to him being offered the Academy Award hosting job. And then it was taken away from him. Is that because he's more of a newcomer? And so he hasn't elevated to what you're calling the priestly class yet? Could be. I mean, I, I suspect there are always backstories to, to why punishments are meted out differently to different people. It depends who you know. It depends on how much money you're seen to be bringing in for whatever network you, you work with. Uh, I, I would imagine there are a variety of reasons that, that apply in this kind of 
situation. She's a black woman. That probably counts for something uh, in, in the particular context in which we find ourselves at the moment. I mean, who knows? There might be contractual issues that uh, the people she's mm-hmm. working for have got to be very careful of. Uh, you know, it's an interesting. It's an interesting question. What we do know is, yeah, she's being treated. Uh, very differently to how uh, Kevin Hart was treated, or very differently to how a public school teacher would be treated if if they crossed whatever line uh, happens to have been set up at any given point in time. Yes, but you know this says something about the, the nature of who we are as people, right? I mean, just the fact that we look to Hollywood, you know. Uh, actors or celebrities uh, to be informed it really reflects poorly upon us as a society it, you know it's not as though we want to you know tune into television and uh, you know hear from a, a you know someone who's a rocket scientist although that's interesting unto itself i guess the delivery is everything but it it, it just shows us how weak we are in our quest for real truth and knowledge especially as believers in jesus that we acquiesce to hollywood celebrity for what we consider to be truth yes i would agree i think america and and increasingly the west because where america leads western europe tends to follow is an increasingly celebrity-led culture and that makes sense because the things that are most influential in most people's lives are the tv or the internet now and it's the people who have their hands on the levers of power and the tv internet etc who are the ones influencing how we think and they tend to be those who are very slick at marketing themselves in very, very plausible ways. I got a good face for radio, so I'm never going to be that kind of influential person. Well, thanks for joining us, see? <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I, I think that the, the, the cult of Hollywood mm. runs very, very deep in, in our culture. And Christians are not immune to it. No. Uh, we have our own subculture of Christian celebrities, and we also buy into the broader secular culture of celebrities as well. We are as guilty as anyone. Dr. Carl Truman with us, Department of Biblical and Religious Studies at Grove City College. Dr. Truman is the author of the new book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. Uh, Carl, I want to ask you, uh, this is about Whoopi, but it's also about you know a larger question, that why we want... It seems like current culture wants every person, regardless of their expertise or job classification, to be commenting on social issues. So Whoopi can't just be an actress. Now we have to look to her as some kind of champion of whatever our justice cause is. And if you're the CEO of Target, you can't just be the CEO of Target. Now you have to be advocating for some kind of justice movement or you can't sell batteries or you can't have a hot dog cart or whatever it is. It seems like we're not we're not permitted anymore to just have a job and do it well. It has to the only way we can have cultural significance or carry any capital is if we bring justice along with us. And I mean that, yeah, I mean that in air quotes. That, that's an interesting question. I think it's, it's, it's not susceptible to an easy answer, but I think a big part of the answer is the abolition of what I would call the pre-political. Typically throughout history, we've had pre-political organizations, the family, for example, the Boy Scouts, uh, the various clubs, sports clubs, etc., that have been constituted as, as fora where human beings are able to socially connect with each other without it being politicized. Mm. What's really happened over the last 50 or 60 years is that all of those 
typically pre-political, what we would call private spaces, have become politicized, enhanced and reinforced a lot by social media, making everything transparent. Now, my private political views are no longer private because I, maybe I stick them up on Twitter, I put them on Facebook. Uh, we're seeing the dissolution of the boundary between the private and the public and the abolition of the space where we used to be able to operate without politics interfering. And I think that has a large part to do with the kind of phenomena we see with, with Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. So then this is a, a harbinger then of uh, the world to come, right? Where deep thinking in many ways, especially in the public arena, is all going to uh, but disappear. Uh, people will stop reading books. Uh, newspapers are by the wayside as well. We're, we're headline and clicks away from our fuller um, uh, education, and we're our worst as a society and the world because of it. I think that could be the way forward, yes, uh, unfortunately. I was saying to a friend the other day, I, I don't long for death, but I'm quite glad that I'm not 20 anymore and I have less of this to look forward to. Okay. Uh, I do think that, that in terms of the broader culture, we're seeing the rise of, of an intellectually very, very superficial, uh, non-serious culture. I mean, even this program now, we're, we're debating Whoopi Goldberg, right. the sense in which of how silly is that that we're yes. talking about? Whoopi Goldberg in a serious way. Uh, I'd want to say that the, the only response we can give to this is, is not really a, a macro-cultural response. But I think individuals and families, we can make a difference by striving not to be superficial. We can make time to read books, to instill the joy of reading books in our children. So I think there are things we can do at a, at a micro level, if you like, but the broader culture is heading into a kind of a new era of illiteracy, if I could put it that way, that is, that is very, very disturbing and likely very superficial. Mm. That's Dr. Carl Truman. Look up his new book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. Carl, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. My son is in the second grade at our local public school, and yet somehow he gets to attend a Bible class during his school day because of LifeWise Academy. We're seeing public school students from urban, rural, and suburban communities who have never heard the basic stories of how Jesus came to rescue us. Hey, Word FM listeners. I'm Joel Penton, founder of LifeWise Academy, and we bring Bible education to public school students during the school day. Believe it or not, in 1952, the Supreme Court ruled that students can actually be released from public school during school hours to receive religious instruction. However, almost no one knows it's possible. LifeWise Academy provides the structure and tools for local communities to put to work. This program is taking off nationwide and our kids' futures are being changed. Would you consider leading the charge to start a LifeWise in your neighborhood school? The first step is to voice your support at LifeWiseAcademy.org. If you're in the market for metal roofing, siding, and garage doors, Kaufman Metals in Bedford can meet your expectations with friendly professional service. 
Their equipment is right up to date with the newest technology and ready to produce your standard and customized metal panels and trims to your exact specifications for any project with the fastest turnaround in the industry. Plus, Kaufman Metals offers complete do-it-yourself building packages included with computer-generated drawings. Kaufman Metals also provides sales and service for CHI residential and commercial garage doors. They deliver any order, large or small, to any place with full-service rollback trucks and trailers with a Moffett forklift to set building packages conveniently close to your project. And just so you know, they offer contractors discounts as well. Visit KaufmanMetals.com or call 814-623-6044 or stop in at 6146 Lincoln Highway, Bedford, PA. I find that patients just want to be heard. Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. That takes time to sit down and listen to what the patient has to say, listen to their past experiences, because that's all important in how I then present treatment to them, formulate a treatment plan for them, and how we move forward with their treatment at our office. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Harry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. As a veteran media sales professional, a six-figure income is within your reach. I'm Andrew Pawoski, General Sales Manager of Word FM. Here at Salem Media Pittsburgh, we offer highly experienced sales and marketing professionals like you all the support and tools necessary to reach your earning potential through custom on-air campaigns, unique events, and over 50 social media and digital products. To learn more about our open position, please email me at andrew at salempittsburgh.com. Salem Media is an equal opportunity employer. Last Wednesday, there was a live-streamed Facebook uh, event where um, a local pastor in Tennessee urged a follower, his followers to bring all their Harry Potter and Twilight copies and burn them. Of course, I said uh, the event was live-streamed. Greg Locke, who is the head pastor at Global Vision Bible Church, said in an Instagram post, quote, bring all your Harry Potter stuff, laugh all you want, haters, I don't care, it's witchcraft 100%. All your Twilight books and movies, that mess is full of spells, demonism, shapeshifters, and occultism. Stop allowing demonic influences into your home. And uh, apparently the uh, the book burning and uh, DVDs and whatnot uh, went off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. There's a rise of this, don't you think? Uh, the... I don't know. There's all this talk about, quote, unquote, book banning, right. which I don't think is book banning. I, th- I think if, a, if an organization, like a school board, decides that they're not going to offer a book, it's not that they banned the book. It's very different, you know, than it, they just decided they're not going to offer it in the curriculum. That's not banning it right you know banning a book is the bible being banned in a communist country that's a banning yes that you're put in prison if you're found with it um i i thought we were past burning books i don't know i thought we decided that that like as a culture that was probably a bad thing i don't know the other thing i want to say is that i think christians can disagree uh about harry potter about harry potter Mm -hmm. yeah i really think they can because i understand that people that People don't look at that um, as something that is uh, good for their kids. Good for their kids to read. Um, I would just disagree with that. I think there's a there's a great history of uh, of literature, especially in British literature, um, which goes but European literature. I would say largely, which. Uh, Harry Potter fits very nicely into. Um, and so it draws on uh, Lord of the Rings. It draws on Narnia. Sure. It draws on old fables, old fairy tales, old medieval tales. Um, and they're tales of right and wrong. 
it's it's a way that we understand the world and the way that we and and the Harry Potter uh, masterpiece, I would call it beginning to end. And I mean, that is so outstanding. It's such an incredible work of literature. When I started reading it, I thought, okay, this is an interesting kid's book. When I finished the seventh book, I was blown away at what she had accomplished and what she had in her head when she started the first one. Now, putting Twilight in the same category is like not that's not right. That's the thing I'm probably maddest about. You cannot compare them. And if you want to call out, you know, uh, demonism and the, the nature yeah, and of this. Yeah, and like I said, I really, I, I, get that. I, I really think people can disagree. But I think, you, yeah. you know, just we can allow that people have different views on this. At the same time, when you are live streaming your book burning on Facebook, that says something <laughs> about, about the congregation that. that it feels like a PR stunt. Right. That's all. What well, is a PR stunt? Well, you know. And Twilight is nowhere close to the type of writing that you'll find in Harry Potter. No, it's, it's true. We'll take a quick break. When you do come back. I just back. want to stand up for good writing. Is it okay to do that? I, I don't mean to diss you if you read Twilight and enjoyed it. I'm just saying it's a, It's not like... And Harry Potter isn't the same as the Brothers Karamazov. No. There's just different levels. Right. For different ages. For different people. Different times. Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker too. Plus iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. Key advisor to President Biden is accused of being a bully. But the administration plans to keep him on the job. Top scientist Dr. Eric Lander is the director of the Office of Science and Technology Policy and science advisor to President Biden. A complaint about him prompted a White House review. It found evidence that he bullied staffers and treated them disrespectfully. Dr. Lander has apologized to his colleagues for treating them poorly or speaking to them disrespectfully. The administration says he'll get counseling and will be required to make changes. The staffer who filed the original complaint was reassigned. The White House calls that appropriate. I'm Rita Foley. Biden administration task force issuing a set of new recommendations. It would make it easier for federal workers and contractors to form unions. This is SRN News. Why doing it right? Roofing, siding, remodeling? It's simple. It's in their name. Doing it right uses only top quality materials and employs only experienced installation and management people to install and oversee your project. Family owned and operated for 38 years and with over 45 years of industry experience, you can be confident that your project will be installed the correct way. Doing It Right does business honestly, taking no money down and collecting balance upon completion. You'll receive a lifetime labor warranty from Doing It Right. Doing It Right does all work to manufacturers, National Roofing Contractors Association, and Vinyl Siding Institute guidelines and specifications for a complete and headache-free installation. Doing It Right is an Owens Corning Platinum contractor and James Hardy preferred contractor. Most importantly, they're affordable, offering great financing options and accepting all major credit cards. Be sure to mention John and Kathy for a discount off your roofing, siding, and remodeling estimates. Call 724-NEW-ROOF or find them at roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com. I love you, a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck. Hi there, it's me, Marsha, at the Springhouse. Don't you just love an old-fashioned love song like that? We sure do love old-fashioned at the Springhouse, too. Old-fashioned values, well-loved antiques, and old-time family recipes. 
So that's exactly what we'll be cooking for you and your sweetheart on the upcoming Valentine's Day Sweetheart Dinner. Grilled marinated flank steak, celebration chicken romano, Pearl's cheesy potatoes, buttered steamed green beans, reunion salad, your choice of a from-scratch dessert, Bev's brown rolls, and pink lemonade. How's that sound for old-fashioned goodness? We'll light the candles and serve you on China as you enjoy live music by beloved local musician Bob Potish. Call 724-228-3339 to reserve your seat or go to springhousemarket.com for details. This entertainment answer brought to you by Exergen. Owen Wilson stars in the new rom-com Marry Me. What does he say makes Jennifer Lopez the perfect co-star in this one? Just the other day we were doing a scene where she's dancing with my students. When they were doing that scene, everyone was watching the monitor, even the security guys, just because it's fun watching her dance. We definitely don't need a double for her dancing. Marry Me rated PG-13. For more answers, head over to theentertainmentanswer.com. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Low clouds expected for tonight. We could see a late night flurry with a low of 18. Tomorrow, cloudy skies for the morning hours, then intervals of clouds and sunshine in the afternoon. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 30. Mostly cloudy skies for tomorrow night with a low of 26. As we head to the middle of the week on Wednesday, we'll see mostly cloudy skies with a high of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, thanks for coming along. Gorgeous Monday afternoon, absolutely beautiful. Sunny, bright, blue skies and nice warm temperatures. It's funny how 42 degrees feels like, ah. Oh, I know. Feels very, very good. Okay, uh, we've been talking, and I'm sure that you're uh, well aware this is uh, yourself. Maybe your favorite restaurant or watering hole has closed, of course, because of COVID and the pandemic. I saw a piece today uh, um, about this, which is, you know, I think this sort of is the cherry on top of everything. Uh, the Ye Old Fighting Cocks Pub in St. Albans, England, has seen it all. Since its first brick was laid... As early as 793, near the ruins of an ancient Roman city, well before the UK was formed, wow. the drinking house has survived civil and world wars, famine, and the spread of the bubonic plague. But hardships brought on by the coronavirus pandemic means the pub, which Guinness World Records has reportedly called England's oldest, though others contest that title, is closing its doors forever. So uh, the the pub is some 12, it's 1,229 years old. Oh, my. I can't even imagine that. 
And they closed because they just can't make it go with COVID. Right. They just don't have enough people to work. Yeah. Uh, Christo Tofali, who took over the lease of the heavily beamed pub in 2012, told the Washington Post that the pandemic and the government's public health restrictions squeezed his business until he couldn't meet its financial That's obligations. so depressing. Its insolvency leaves Mitchell's and Butler's, which owns the pub, open to seeking new management of the possibly more than 1,200-year-old business. I mean, how do you stay in business 1,200 years? I can't believe it. And yet, when you look at local closings, and a lot of these closures, thank goodness, were temporary. Um, I'm just looking at an article here from Pittsburgh Magazine at the end of 2021, talking about the number of Pittsburgh places that had to close because of COVID. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about Dish Osteria in the south side. We're talking about uh, Gaucho downtown, uh, Spirit in Arsenal, the High Hold in Coriopolis. Uh, the Bingham Tavern in Mount Washington. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Now, I think that all of these restaurants have reopened since then. As other venues? No. Have they, just re- they just closed temporarily because of COVID, okay. and, and, and they're able to rebound. But, like, Noodlehead uh, closed through the holiday, according mm-hmm. to the Post-Gazette. Uh, Ironborn Pizza uh, closed its Millville location until it could reopen safely. I'm not sure if it has yet or not. That, that just gives you a little sample into the number of places here locally which have suffered the same thing. They've been around a lot less than 1,000 years. Right. Okay, Wait, so, how many years? Uh, 1,229. <laughs> okay, so are they thinking that they would reopen that? Well, it's not the first time that this has happened. That, you know, there have been periods, I think, that you know, before this new management, it was closed for about nine months until they were able to reconfigure. So even though it's closed or presumed to close soon, there is you know, hope that new life will come back to it. I mean, something that's 1,200 years old, gone forever, it's kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? It's like burning down a redwood. This is a terrible thing to ask you on the air because I didn't, like, ask you ahead of time and let you prepare for it. I always like these questions. Here it comes. <laughs> but what do you think the oldest place is that you've ever been in? <laughs> like like physically? Like a building. Like a, maybe it was a church or maybe it was, like, can you think of a... Uh, I've like, been to Notre Dame Cathedral. Okay. All right. Well, that's very old. Uh, I have not been to Greece, so I've not been to the Parthenon. Okay. Um, probably, I would just say, you know, quickly, Notre Dame. Why okay. Not? Yeah. How about you? Well, I don't, I, I hadn't thought about it either. But you, uh, you've traveled. You, I have. I would say, things. I would say Bora Bredor, which is the a largest Buddhist temple in the world in how old is uh, that? Indonesia. I oh think, my it, gosh. Yeah, I think it was built in 800 or something. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's very, very old. And you know, we're, and you know, you know, what's crazy about it hmm. is that it's, it, I mean, it's the largest Buddhist temple in the world. So it's gigantic. Gigantic. I mean, it's absolutely huge. For 500 years, it was lost because of a volcanic eruption and jungle had just totally overgrown. So 500 years, nobody knew something that enormous was there. And they uncovered it. It wasn't until a, a, a Dutch man who was like the regent... I don't know. So the Dutch, uh, the Dutch had colonized Indonesia, and so he was like the region that was in charge of the area. And he had gone out and talked to people who lived outside of populated areas, and they had told him the story, and he thought it was a fable. Hmm. It's like, no, there's a story. No, there's this really, really big temple, and he was like, well, how big could it be if no one knows where it is? And they're like, no, 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 really. And he had heard it from enough people. He thought well, maybe it's true. That's cool. And so he mounted a whole like team, this whole posse of people, and they uncovered it. How long ago was that? Uh, that was probably in the 19th century. No kidding. And yeah. it's beautiful? 
it's a yes it's very beautiful and and i just have to tell you again how enormous it yeah, is yeah. to think of something that large being misplaced right i mean I think it's a big it's a big worth big earth isn't it yeah it is i mean okay so look at notre dame notre dame of course you know famously burnt Right? I mean, it, the roof collapsed on Notre Dame. They're in the rebuilding phase. We watched it happen. Remember in the studio uh, that day? That hearts. was really so. So what will that look like? You know, what will a house of worship look like coming back into the 21st century, reconfigured by a, not a, you know, a, a Christian view? I would imagine, you know, the French government has a lot to say what Notre Dame will look like. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I told you, you know, the first time I saw Notre Dame, I was... You know, in your mind's eye, when you hear about things like you know the Buddhist temple or Notre Dame, you create something. But for me to walk into Notre Dame, as beautiful as it is, and of course it is, it is, it's more of a tourist attraction than it is a house of worship, from my perspective. Sure, yeah, because that's you just think about that when you think about Paris, right? Whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Muslim, whether, whether you whether you have any belief structure whatsoever. Well, like the Buddhist temple, you're not Buddhist, but you're right, going to go visit because there. it's a tourist thing, right? right? And so many non-Christians go to Notre sure. Dame because it's on their you know to-do list. Sure. I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of observant Buddhists there the day I was there, thinking, "Well, look at right. this, you know, well, lady who just wandered up." Happy to have you, but you know, you're spending. I, I, I did pay to get in. There you go. See, mm-hmm. you're part of the process. Okay. And look, we're all impressed. Not too far here from Seven Parkway Center, you go down the hill, and there's the what Pittsburgh's oldest tavern, which I think is you know 200 years old, and it's it's been closed forever. At the bottom of the hill. Yeah, it's been closed forever, and they were it's it's been uncovered that it's the oldest tavern because someone was going to tear it down. But their streak's been broken. Yeah. So it's it's not like the West End area. Right. Exactly. But 200 years old is old for the United States right, of America. Absolutely nothing compared to yeah. the Brits. Look at us again, as always, and right. kind of snicker. Coming up next, our understanding of Paul probably impacts how we look at the gospel in general. Oh, do you think? Undoubtedly, he's loved and hated. There's no question about it. Jen yes. Rosner is going to join us next to talk about. WORD. Once I figured out, you know, it was a little boy, then I heard his heartbeat like I just cried. You guys helped me make my mind up. You've heard that seeing is believing. That's certainly true when it comes to pregnancies. It's been shown that abortion-minded women who see their babies on an ultrasound are likely to have that baby. Today, you can provide a free ultrasound for a pregnant woman for just $28, the cost to save the life of a baby. So whether you want to save one or five or hundreds of babies, Word FM and Preborn are here to help. Call today, 833-850-BABY, or go to wordfm.com. You know what you could do? You could add on to your house an extra room and fill it with white fluffy sand that feels like the beach. Pump in seagull sounds, paint waves on the walls, and cute little sand crabs. Hey, it's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And maybe never in the history of time have we had a moment where home values have skyrocketed this much while interest rates have dropped this much. And what that has brought into play for now, for so many Word FM listeners, is the cash out refinance loan. Some listeners are using that newfound equity or money to pay off debt or to do some very cool home upgrades at a time where our homes might continue to be more and more important. But hey, a beach room could be very cool. If you're curious about your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money you have to pay before closing. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. 
I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It, it was, was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable. So don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could, could I have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. When it comes to your child's education, consistency is key. And in a world that's been anything but, parents have found an unshakable educational partner in Eden Christian Academy, where students experience an engaging, rock-solid Christian education at each of their three North Hills campuses, enabling them to thrive academically, spiritually, and socially. Schedule a personal tour today and see what a consistent, quality pre-K through 12th grade education can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. The Ride Home streaming live on YouTube at The Word Pittsburgh. Happy to be welcoming Jen Rosner back to the program, Affiliate Assistant Professor of Systematic Theology at Fuller Theological Seminary in sunny Pasadena. Jen, welcome back. Thanks. It's great to be here. Always good to hear your voice, Jen. Uh, Today, Jen, you come at us with a very interesting topic about Paul and our understanding of him as a Jew and how it impacts our understanding of the gospel. I mean, to be honest, I've never thought along those those, uh, particular lines before. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic when you want to think about, you know, the Christian gospel and the Jewish people. A lot of it ends up, a lot of the conversations oftentimes end up coming back to Paul. And it turns out that a lot of Christians have an understanding of Paul um, in which Paul sort of divorced himself from Judaism yeah. and, and, and found Christianity to be this, um, this sort of richer thing. And, and it's fascinating. I mean, in recent years, there's been a, a whole lot of Pauline scholarship that suggests that that's kind of an embedded reading within Christian theology that, that may not be right. And it makes a big difference, I think, in, in, in again, conversations with um, Jewish-Christian mm. relations or Christians trying to understand the significance of God's covenant with Israel. Again, a lot of it uh, seems to sort of hinge on how we view Paul. Well, Paul is a tough character. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, intensely intellectual, uh, incredibly mm-hmm. studied, um, and uh, also personality-wise, incredibly committed. Uh, we know what he was like before his conversion and his commitment to persecuting Christians. And, of course, we see uh, what happened in his life after his conversion. Um, so so in um, just as a man, a very curious, dynamic individual um, and just an incredible life force in what we have come to understand as far as the, you know, the inner workings of just day to day church stuff. So as a Messianic Jew, talk about his his place in, in your mind. Yeah, I mean, Kathy, it's so interesting, even just the way that you just described it, which is all true, but the the use of that word conversion, right, which is, uh, I, I think everybody would talk about yeah, Paul's conversion yeah. experience. It's, it, it's really embedded in the way that we think about these concepts, but it's interesting because we press into that word, 
it, it makes it sound as though he sort of converted away from that he became and less and Jewish. Something. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He left Judaism behind entirely. Yeah, that's so a good that, point. I mean, that word, um, you know, but, but like I said, I think most Christians would be like, yeah, of course Paul converted. And so then I think we could say, well, what are the implications even in that concept? Well, it's, it's, it's probably that he left Judaism behind in some way. And so um, it's really interesting. I mean, a lot of Pauline scholarship for the last 500 years actually goes back to Martin Luther's understanding of Paul. Martin Luther is this, you know, major figure in the, what becomes the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther has a major bone to pick with the Catholic Church, and he sort of has this revelation in reading Paul, and he kind of assumes that Paul had a similar bone to pick with Judaism that Martin Luther had to pick with the Catholic Church. So he kind of reads his own story and context back into Paul. And so he understands Paul to, to, to sort of be throwing out Judaism and creating something new, which is, which is, as it turns out, exactly what Martin Luther did with regard to the Catholic Church. And what's fascinating is that that understanding of Paul basically endures until the mid-20th century when you get these really significant events like the Holocaust, like the creation of the modern state of Israel, like the Second Vatican Council and the Catholic Church, where you get the church kind of saying, whoa, like we've missed something. Like how could Christian theology have sort of indirectly supported Hitler? I mean, Hitler drew from Martin Luther in his campaign and in his ideology. And so you get this really remarkable era. And one of the things that uh, I think is really significant about this era is new perspectives on Paul. And now you actually have what's called the Paul within Judaism camp, which interestingly is actually a lot of Jewish Pauline scholars who are reading Paul through a Jewish lens, not um, like a Gentile Christian lens that, that might not be as uh, you know in, in, in dialed in with the with the with the nuances of Second Temple Judaism. Um, and they're saying, wait a second. Uh, their claim, their starting point is that Paul never had a radical break with Judaism, that Paul was a Torah-observant Jew until the day that he died. Um, and, 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 and so key Pauline passages start to look a little bit different, and this, this sort of Paul within Judaism camp raises a new set of questions uh, that the Christian Church, kind of in the, in the shadow or in, in the aftermath of Martin Luther and other figures as well, um, hasn't really been asking when we read Paul. That's good. So, Jenna, it, it does, I mean, obviously make sense. I mean, how can you leave Judaism behind? It's baked into your DNA, essentially. Well, I mean, and, and Jesus didn't mm-hmm. Jesus didn't leave his Jewishness behind. Mm-hmm. Right. He fulfilled mm-hmm. the law in every way. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that correction, talking about, con- I, I, I think you're right in saying that conversion really isn't an appropriate thing. If you're reading Paul, I think that, well, I should ask you the question and not answer it. Do you feel like when he is explaining the person of Jesus then, Jen, it is, it's a, it's a fulfillment rather than a change of course? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that's exactly how Paul and his contemporaries and Jesus' own, you know, disciples and apostles viewed Jesus. And and I think Paul, you know, I think one of the incredible things about Paul's letters is that he's really kind of trying to work this stuff out, you know, and there's times when he he's like, it's a great mystery, you know, like, I don't think Paul, um, I don't think Paul knew, and, and of course, you have to think of him, uh, you know, in his context, he didn't know that 2000 years were going to pass before, and he still hasn't come back. I mean, he's kind of, he, he hadn't yet lived through the parting of the ways, which which we're sort of looking back on this process whereby Judaism and Christianity become these entirely separate and, and in many ways mutually exclusive religious communities. You know, Paul's context is much different than that. 
Um, and yes, I mean, he's reading Israel's scriptures. He's reading <clears throat> essentially our Old Testament, and he's understanding Jesus in those categories um, and not in, in the way that we often are, even if we're not aware of it, mm-hmm. which is sort of through the lens of church history, through the lens of the parting of the ways between Judaism and Christianity, through the lens of Martin Luther. And what's so interesting is that that's just almost implicit in, in a Christian understanding of Paul. We don't, we don't always think about it. And one of the things that these sort of Paul within Judaism scholars are trying to do is, is, is remove those layers that have, for better or worse, been um, kind of added into or baked into our understanding of Paul. Um, and that's kind of what leads them to ask new questions of Paul and, and, and of his understanding of key concepts. We're talking with Jen Rosner from Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California, about Paul. So, Jen, then what are those key questions? I mean, uh, as you engage and peel away the layers of Paul in your life, and especially Mm -hmm. you as a Jew as well, I mean, I'm sure you think about this often, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll just name, I'll just kind of highlight two things that I think are really um, interesting and important. I mean, the first is, uh, as we read our New Testament, uh, we get a, a particular portrait of Paul in the book of Acts that sometimes does not seem to add up with the Paul of his letters. So this is like a kind of an oft-touted, like, um, you know, disconnect in the New Testament. So, for example, in the book of Acts, we have Paul in Acts 21 undergoing these purification rites and, and reporting to the temple in order to sort of ward off rumors that he was telling Jewish followers of Jesus that, oh, you don't need to worry about all that Judaism stuff anymore. He kind of hears this, and he's kind of horrified, and he's like, what can I do to show that the rumors aren't true? And they say, go through these purification rites, go to the temple, and Paul does it. Like, he does it. And so, and then in Acts 23, we get Paul calling himself present tense. He says, I am a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you get this very, very Jewish Paul in the book of Acts, and this Paul who seems to be kind of slamming the law in different places in his letters. And some New Testament scholars would say, oh, well, that's because Acts is not historical. Acts is kind of Luke's portrayal of Paul, and we can't really trust it, which I find to be a deeply unsatisfying answer. And so with this Paul, uh, with this perspective on Paul that Paul never left behind Judaism, it, 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 it reconciles the Paul of his letters with the Paul of Acts, which I think is a really significant thing in terms of just sort of New Testament coherence. Um, and, and part of how it does that is it, is it raises a question that, that interestingly has not historically been raised very much, which is Paul's audience. Who is it that Paul is writing to when he's saying things that seem negative about the law? And, 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 it's, and if you read Paul's letters through this lens, it, it almost jumps off the page that Paul is writing to Gentiles. Paul is is writing to Gentile Christians. That's his whole mission. He's the apostle to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. and he's telling them, and this sort of goes in accordance with the ruling in Acts 15, which is that Gentile followers of Jesus don't have to observe Torah. They don't have to live like Jews, and Paul's reinforcing that in his letters. He's saying, hey, Gentiles, you know, there's these Judaizers out there, and they're telling you that in order to follow Jesus, you have to do all the Jewish practices, and that's not true. And so, again, paying attention to Paul's audience and realizing that he is speaking to Gentiles in most of the context, at least where he's explicitly stated uh, that. Uh, And again, it it sort of harmonizes this Paul of Acts with Paul of his letters um, in a way that I I think is, is really important in terms of getting a sense of who this figure was 
um, it, it always troubles me that the Paul of Acts didn't line up with the Paul of his letters. And I think in my experience and in my research, this is sort of the best answer to that. It does line up. Our problem, the problem is not with Paul. The problem is with this lens through which we've read him, where it mm-hmm. seems like, you know, we have these two different Pauls, but actually it's the same Paul. And it just has to do with our context and our lenses through yeah. which we have understood him. Dr. Jen Rosner with us, affiliate assistant professor of systematic theology at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. Um, so, Jen, um, we had uh, N.T. Wright on the program talking about his book on Paul uh, about a year. I, don't, I was going to say it was a year and a half ago, but that's COVID time, which means it was probably three and a half years ago. Um, and that I found that to be a fascinating book, but I don't want to get too much into the weeds um, for people who aren't familiar with all that. So let me kind of back up and look at a bigger perspective at, and say that we, you know, we have this Bible that we have been given and it has an Old Testament and it has a New Testament, but it's one story. Right. Mm-hmm. From beginning to end, from mm-hmm. the, from the garden to the city is one story. And so we have, you know, to make it easier for us, we have artificially made, you know, uh, separations. We've made chapter titles and we've made or chapter numbers and verses just so we can reference and whatever. But really, it's one story. So if we look mm-hmm. at Paul as being just one writer, one different writer in the same big story. Right. I think that might give us a better perspective on the fact that it's mm-hmm. not he wasn't he wasn't reinventing anything because Jesus didn't reinvent anything. Jesus was restoring what was supposed to be in place at the very beginning and will restore it fully at the end. So the now and the not yet of that. So I I, I don't mean to be too I was trying to make it simpler and perhaps I made it too complex. But but speak into that as you close just about looking at the at Paul in that larger vision. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such an important point to read our Bibles as one book, one story of God's covenant with humanity. And really, at the center of that story stands God's covenant with the people of Israel. And I feel like there's there's a, there's not enough talk, in my opinion, in the Christian world about God's covenant with Israel and how it is really the continuous thread throughout the entire story. So if we if we kind of miss that in our reading of the Old Testament, then of course we're going to read a Paul who could, you know, care less about Judaism and sort of turns away from Judaism, because I think that that, that Israel piece, the, the ongoing, enduring nature of God's covenant with Israel, is this thread throughout the entire biblical narrative and 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 it's and, and if we read the story in that way, then then we should have these red flags that go up. Like, wait a second, that doesn't really make sense that Paul would be opposed to Judaism because you know the Jewish people are God's chosen people and God's covenant with them is irrevocable. You know, so so I think that's oftentimes, and, and I think this is another reason why the Old Testament can be so confusing to Christians sometimes. Right? There's just parts of it that are weird and they don't make sense, and we don't understand how they apply to us. And so I really think that kind of pressing into this notion of God's covenant with Israel. What was it about? What what does it look like? What does it mean in terms of understanding the whole story? Um, from my perspective, is like an interpretive key to, to really understanding the entire Bible, including Paul. That's good. Jen, I think that's a perfect place for us to stop mm-hmm. and put a bookmark on this conversation mm-hmm. so that next month when you join us, we'd invite you to go deeper into God's covenant with Israel. Great. I'd love it. Fabulous. Jen Rosner, she joins us from Fuller Theological Seminary. We'll take a quick break. we got much more ahead. It's the ride home. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk here on Word FM. You know, your mom always used to say, uh, listen, be careful about the company you keep, right? Because who you hang out with really defines in many ways who you are. 
Well, when you look at Grove City College, the community of students who call this place home, I believe, is really something special because Grovers care about and for each other. And there's more than 150 student organizations that will prove that every day. Also, you just got to look at the alumni, the Grover alumni. It's gigantic. And they care for each other decades after they've graduated from Grove City College. So if your child is looking for next year or in the near future, I'd recommend you look at Grove City College because the company you keep is really quite excellent. What about the company you keep, John, as far as the people who are teaching you? Or the people who are advising you or the people that are kind of helping you figure out yourself over four years. You know, that's, I think, probably just as important as your peers, right? Especially when you're between 18 and 22 and you're trying to figure out what life is about and how you can fit in and what your career path is like and what your gifting is. The faculty that are there to advise at Grove City College are truly outstanding. They're people with big minds and big hearts. And your child might end up a different person because of the mentorship they could have at a place like Grove City. Look at Grove City College, a classical campus one hour from Pittsburgh, gcc.edu. This is important news. If you have unfiled tax returns, the IRS is shifting gears and ramping up investigations on non-filers this year. If you fail to file your tax returns for a year or more or you owe back taxes, now's the time to call Optima Tax Relief before the IRS finds you. Optima is America's number one most trusted tax resolution firm, specialized in helping individuals, families, and businesses get right with the IRS. They're experts in the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, a powerful new program that can make resolving tax issues easier. Plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, Optima's award-winning team has helped thousands of people protect their paychecks, bank accounts, homes, and businesses by putting their tax problems to rest, resolving over $1 billion in tax debts for their clients. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at WordFM.com, the WordFM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. When kids need medical care, they will often face stressful and life-changing experiences. They miss out on the things that make being a kid fun. Starlight Children's Foundation has delivered happiness to 17 million seriously ill kids and their families at more than 800 children's hospitals and healthcare facilities. Our programs entertain and inspire hospitalized kids. Learn more at starlight.org. That's starlight.org. Low clouds expected for tonight. We could see a late night flurry with a low of 18. Tomorrow, cloudy skies for the morning hours, then intervals of clouds and sunshine in the afternoon. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 30. Mostly cloudy skies for tomorrow night with a low of 26. As we head to the middle of the week on Wednesday, we'll see mostly cloudy skies with a high of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does this make sense, John? Does what make sense, Kat? Chopsticks. <laughs> Boy, I sure want them to make sense. And with every good intention, whenever I go into a, a restaurant and they offer me chopsticks, yes, I grab them enthusiastically. But then about four bites into my meal, I go, fork, please. <laughs> Give me the fork. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah, they make sense to the billions and billions of Asians, but I don't feel compelled as some Caucasian guy to have to eat with them. So that, to me, that don't make any sense. No, I say no. I, I have not mastered them well mm-hmm. enough to go, hey, no, I'm going to eat a bowl of rice with chopsticks. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Sure, I can grab you know, a piece of broccoli or a piece of chicken, but the finer points of it all, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's craziness. Mm-hmm. I get hungry. It makes me yearn. Does it make sense? It doesn't make any sense to me. Does it make sense to you? Sure does. John. Oh, get out of you here! You know why? Because if you're eating Asian food, then you should eat it the oh, way the Asians eat the food. Get out of yes, here! Yes, you should. You pick up your chopsticks. You learn. I mean, how hard do they operate, John? It's not like I'm asking you to work a forklift. <laughs> I mean, oh, grab the chopsticks. This, this is how I feel, John. <laughs> I do sound snooty, and I apologize, but I'm sticking by my point of view because I believe it's correct. Right. When you when you're eating the dish. You're committed to the chopstick to the last grain of rice. You're not picking up an American Western implement for any intervention. No, you're sticking with how you started. And that's how you're going to finish. I don't feel bad about it. Chopsticks beginning to end. I love it. All right. That makes sense to you. You know, I have a nice set. I have a set of six. They're like fancy. So you've made your family like follow along as well. I haven't made them. It's not like I run a camp. All right. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. Kind of funny. It's a food thing as well. KFC. Does Kentucky Fried Chicken make sense? I say 100%. You kidding me? I, it's greasy mm-hmm. and meaty, and it's a, a mess. But, man, is it good. It's so good. And, I love it. And you know what? Mm. Best coleslaw. Oh, excellent coleslaw. The coleslaw. Kentucky Are you Fried Chicken. No, see, I thought I thought you might err nope. on the snoot side no, there. No, no snoot from me. And go, oh, I don't mm. want that Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm. I love K- KFC. I mean, how often? I don't eat it often. I, I haven't had it in a couple years. Oh well. But I have had mm. the coleslaw often. Yeah. I'm mean, gonna go through the drive-through and just do a quick little meal. Listen, I could through the drive-through and just get coleslaw. Really? Mm. I sure do. They know oh. how to do it. Yeah, they do. Okay, so chopsticks. chopsticks yes. Nope. Don't make sense. KFC. I feel good about it. Perfect sense right here. That makes sense. One hundred one point five Word FM, W O R D. With nearly any invention, the inventor knows it best. He or she knows how it works. This week on a new beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie takes us to God's words on the family. The family was his idea. He has a good idea how it works best. Join us this week on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, weekday mornings at 1030 on WORD. If you're in the market for metal roofing, siding, and garage doors, Kaufman Metals in Bedford can meet your expectations with friendly professional service. Their equipment is right up to date with the newest technology and ready to produce your standard and customized metal panels and trims to your exact specifications for any project with the fastest turnaround in the industry. Plus, Kaufman Metals offers complete do-it-yourself building packages included with computer-generated drawings. Kaufman Metals also provides sales and service for CHI residential and commercial garage doors. They deliver any order, large or small, to any place with full-service rollback trucks and trailers with a Moffitt forklift to set building packages conveniently close to your project. And just so you know, they offer contractors discounts as well. Visit KaufmanMetals.com or call 814-623-6044. 
Brewer. Stop in at 6146 Lincoln Highway, Bedford, PA. Here's the deal. I've had constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating for years. I've tried a lot of laxatives and fiber supplements, but my symptoms keep coming back. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than two years old. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Avi and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Is your congregation confident when it comes to sharing the faith? Most Christians would like to share their faith, but simply don't know how. Lutheran Lay Renewal of America offers a Sharing Your Faith workshop that examines the spiritual and psychological barriers to faith and offers effective ways to open the door to friendly spiritual conversations. Perfect for a Sunday morning Bible class, this one-hour workshop is offered at no cost to any Christian church. To schedule, call 724-287-5151 or visit lutheranrenewal.com. Cy Gart's back with us. Cy's a regular on our show. He is a biochemist who has taught at NYU, the University of Pittsburgh, and Rutgers, the author of The Works of His Hands, A Scientist's Journey from Atheism to Faith. Hey, Cy, how you doing? Oh, oh, think, we think you're muted, Cy. We think you're on mute there, Cy. We can't hear you. Let's try that. What do you think? No, I'm not. There, there you we go. go. There you go. Now we're back. Hi, Cy. Nice okay. to see you. <laughs> The ride home streaming, yeah. The ride home streaming live on YouTube. You can see Sai's face here. We're talking to him via the wonders of Zoom. Um, Sai, I was fascinated when John told me what you wanted to talk about today: uh, the arrogance and the humility of science. And I love this topic, Sai. I love talking about arrogance and humility in every discipline um, because it's always a challenge, right? The more you know, knowledge puffs up. Right. And so all of a sudden people feel like whatever their discipline is, it's like the sum total of how we learn about the world. Yeah. And, and it's a real problem within science. Uh, we see that we see that in the news today. There are a lot of people who consider experts in science and experts in a lot of fields to be very arrogant. And I understand that because it's often the case when scientists are trying to explain something to people who don't necessarily know all the terminology, they sound very professorial and very sure of themselves and can, can be very arrogant. And I have known some scientists who really were very arrogant. But the interesting thing is that within science as a community, humility is highly praised, which is, is, is highly valued. Uh, and, and that might be surprising to some people because uh, it's not what you one usually experiences when you have interaction with scientists who are speaking on TV or, or giving a presentation of their findings. But uh, all the people who I consider my mentors in science uh, were very humble. And you kind of learn pretty quickly that, 
you have to be humble because you make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and a lot of things that you do are wrong. That's just the nature of science. We could even see that in this pandemic. Uh, a, a lot of scientists got a lot of things wrong at the beginning. And the good ones said, well, we just don't know. This is brand new and we have to wait and get more data before we really know. And that doesn't sit very well, but it's a true expression of what usually happens in science when you're doing research. Right. You don't really know what you're going to find. And when you find it, uh, often it surprises you and it tells you that you're on the wrong track and you have to go back and try something else. So humility is actually a natural thing in science. And I think this also reflects the situation in faith. And I, I, I'm glad you said that, Kathy, because it, you know, the same problem can occur with people who are very knowledgeable on theology or on biblical studies or uh, perhaps some pastors who are very, very successful, who have very large congregations and audiences. Uh, there's also a temptation, as you said, to, you know, pontificate, if I could <laughs> use that word, uh, about, you know, what is true and what is not true, what is biblical, what isn't biblical. And it it, it kind of reminds me of when scientists say, well, that's science, that's not really science, you know, and sound very sure of themselves. And I think it's interesting, it's an interesting parallel, because as we know, Christians are are commanded to be humble. I mean, we are not we are not supposed to put ourselves first in any way. We 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 you know point to Jesus Christ as the source of truth, the source of knowledge, and we do the best we can. But uh, occasionally we slip up, and I and by that I mean by we I mean scientists, I mean Christians, and I also mean scientists of Christian faith, such as myself and many others. Yeah. Uh, and it's something to guard against, because even when you think you're being very careful, the appearance of arrogance is easy to, to happen. Yeah. And that's something that we, we, try, we should try to avoid. So, Sai, do you ever see this where, especially in the scientific field, that people perhaps, you know, early on in their careers, they start off arrogant. And then as they grow older, you know, they're consumed with the evidence and the work before them. And there's a measure of humility that comes their way. Absolutely. I think that's almost universal. Um, I know it was true for me and, I, and it was true for all my graduate students. You know, when you when you're a graduate student in science, uh, you're told you have to be in the particular area you're working on for your Ph.D. thesis. You have to be the world leading authority. You have to know as much or more than anyone else mm -hmm. in that field. And Usually you do. You know, it may be a very obscure field that nobody cares about, but it's important to you and, and you, you know, do do the research and you know as much as anyone else does about it or more. And so that gives a feeling of, you know, accomplishment that also can lead to arrogance. As you begin to do actual research in the real world, and that could be academic or, or in industry or in the government, you learn that uh, things aren't so easy and uh, and that you many times your ideas are wrong and you have to backtrack and and you do get humility sure. so then you uh, it, and and I, and I think you're right and I think that's true in all fields as well so sorry you brought your story you know your story about being an atheist and you didn't come to Christ until you know a little later on into life in some ways was your own arrogance, you know, grounded in scientific uh, knowledge, was that a stepping stone do you find in Christ? Yeah, that's a great question, John. And, and 
you mentioned a while a, a little bit about uh, my tweet where I talked about one incident during my atheist time when I was very nasty to some Christians who were who were trying to spread the word of, of Christ. I was a strong atheist and a scientist at that time, and I I treated them very badly, very arrogantly. Uh, and uh, that was, and, and, I, and I think I'm not alone on that either. I think that there, I often uh, come across not just, I, I mentioned Christians who may show too much arrogance, but I also see it a lot in atheists on social media who, you know, uh, some of them like to inform me <laughs> uh, about, you know, biochemistry and how that proves there's no God. And, you know, what can I say? I mean, they these are not people who studied it or have a degree in it. Uh, so I don't tell them, well, listen, I'm a PhD with 30 years of experience and 200 publications. And so don't you tell me. Right. It's tempting to do that. But I, re- I restrain myself because, A, it doesn't work. It's arrogant. And you don't, you know, you don't catch fish with arrogance. You, it's better to use a more humble approach. So, but, you know, it, arrogance is, is, it's present everywhere. And I think what you said is right. It, it's often a, a function of age, experience, mm-hmm. things of that sort. And as, it's very hard to remain arrogant as you get older uh, <laughs> and you get life experiences because, you yeah. know, <laughs> that's life. It humbles us all, does it not? Yeah. It sure does, one way or the other. Yes. <laughs> Listen, Sai, I have to go back to the tweet you were talking about. Um, and for our listeners who, who didn't see it, um, let me just say again, Sai just told a, a, a long story in a very short uh, amount of time, which, of course, <laughs> is what Twitter's for, um, where uh, – Sai, so you were sitting in, were you sitting in a coffee shop? Were you sitting in a restaurant? Where did it happen? Pizza, it's a pizzeria, yeah. Okay. Pizza, pizza okay, and someone comes up to you with a track, maybe? Yes. Uh, it Actually, the town that I was in at that time had a Christian college, and these two were students. And uh, they they were spreading, spreading you know, the, the gospel. They were, yeah. they had some kind tracks. And they went into a public restaurant, which they're certainly allowed to do, and uh, and handed a, a, a sheet to me. And all I did was I looked at the top, and it said something about Jesus Christ. And I immediately scoffed, and I, I said something like, "I don't remember the exact words in the tweet." I said something like, "Well, I, you know, I, I my name is Satan, and I eat Christians. You know, something nasty like something that." Flip, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very flip and very put-offing. And I said a few other things, which I couldn't fit into the tweet. And they were quite upset and, and you know, young kids. And I was in my 30s. I mean, it was really unfortunate. I've, I've regretted that and, and, and uh, you know, uh, repented of that for, for quite some time. Uh, it, it's not the worst thing I've ever done in my life. But I now that I'm trying to do exactly what they were doing, which yeah. is to spread the word of Jesus, uh, you know, I... And I, I got some wonderful reactions to that tweet, by the way. Uh, many people wrote saying, uh, the Lord has has answered their prayers. They were praying for you to mm-hmm. see the light. And it took a long time, but, you know, eventually it happened. And so their prayers yeah. were answered. And, yeah. and I found that. Very well, listen, I told the story. My husband has never been on Twitter, has no interest in being on Twitter. But I read that tweet and I told him the story. And the reason I told him is because knowing you, Cy, I, I, can, I cannot imagine you doing that. 
I cannot imagine you doing that. And it's just the the transformation that God brings into our lives. Sometimes it's important to step back and look and say, that really is an amazing thing that you could have done that and you could be who you are now. Well, thank you. I, amen. I mean, I, I, yeah, you wouldn't recognize me. You could see me <laughs> not just then, but even earlier, I was a different person. But you know, so it's interesting that, you know, you thought about that because obviously acting out the way you did, you know, and you were a jerk, you know, in your thirties to the, to those kids, but it made right. an impression upon you that you thought yeah. about it all these years later. Right. I mean, it wasn't something that, you know, you just threw away. Obviously what was said and done in the space of those few seconds there still, you can carried with you all these years later. That's right. Yeah. And and I think that's also the grace of God. I mean, there are obviously, I, I lived quite a while and there are many things I've forgotten, but there are some things that I remember even from teenage years or earlier. And I think those are all due to the grace of God. I, I mean, the things that I remember, the things that are helping me now in my, in my journey and try to use them to, you know, to do some good. Well, I got to tell you, Cy, that tweet, absolutely inspired me it really did it inspired me to give praise to god for how he changes us Mm -hmm. and to think about humility right yep arrogance and humility i mean you've lived it and you you show it and uh god's not done with you yet he's used you but he's got much more in store for you si well his will let his will be done that's all i can say it's been a pleasure to get to know you so grateful that you join us on a monthly basis and thanks for being here today Love to be here. Take care, guys. Our pleasure. Sigart, a biochemist. He's the author of The Works of His Hands, A Scientist's Journey from Atheism to Faith. You can find Sai, as we said, on Twitter. Check him out. I've been teaching my sweet 86-year-old grandma how to use her Alexa. The other day, I'm overhanging out, and I see grandma about four inches from Alexa yelling, Hey, Alexa, I'm making cookies. Tell me when it's 10 minutes. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and the reality is the mortgage world has changed from old school to new school as well. In the old days, you usually use somebody local, but today, you don't have to be local to be local. You don't have to set up an appointment to see me. You'll have my cell, and you can text or call me anytime. The Stone Age paperwork of old is now, usually just some easy clicks. And if you're refinancing, in most cases, we'll just send a notary to your home for your closing. The level of attention that we bring will make us feel very local for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. And one other advantage? Read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Are you wondering if this year you'll still be asking why it seems so easy for other people to find love but so hard for me? If you're feeling the pain of being alone and are tired of everyone around you finding their soulmates and leaving you behind, then get ready to remove the barriers to finding the marriage of your dreams and start believing it's possible for you. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. Join me in my Married in 12 Months Challenge, where I'll teach you why now is your time to find love, what are the lies that are holding you back, why God wants you to be married, the biblical law of attraction, and the tools you need to become a bride. Listen, if you deeply desire to be married, but you're still single, you should be doing something about it. Sign up for my free Married in 12 Months five-day challenge at lovestories.com. The only thing you have to lose is the pain of being alone on your journey. So join me at lovestories.com 
That's lovestories.com. Who doesn't love a good deal? What if you could confidently know that you're getting the best deal on a mattress on any given day, not just during one of those today-only sales? At the Original Mattress Factory, we have something better than a sale, a fair factory direct price on excellent quality products for everyone, every day. So you can take your time and buy when you're ready. When you're looking for the best mattress at a great value, come to the Original Mattress Factory first. OriginalMattress.com Your life, your hopes, and whatever you were searching for at 1.15 a.m., it's really none of our business, and it shouldn't be anyone else's. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. I have been, as I do every two years, been consumed with Olympic fever. Really? I mean, John, I get up in the what? morning and what? I'm just all about it. So when it's time, you know, I usually don't watch TV during the day, but when after dinner, turn the tube on, it's Olympics to that moment till you go to bed. No kidding. You've been watching? I mean, I guess what my husband and I watched yesterday. Hmm. Um, Curling. Yes, exactly. Not just, wait, not just one, I don't know if it's called round, yeah, match yeah. or whatever. We watched like three of them. Hmm. You guys. I mean- but you know why? Because the Olympics only come around every couple of years. You got to invest, John. I assume you're investing. I uh, have zero interest, none. I could care less about the Olympics, the Chinese, uh, the uh, just the whole thing. It just sickens me. So I, I, I choose not to read about it, think about it. Certainly, I re- refuse to watch it. I'm not interested in the Olympics one iota this year. None. I'll pass. Thank you. You sound sure of yourself. I do. I'm just I, I, now. Let me just say, no, you and, you know, it's not the fault of the Finnish guy who you know was competing in the uh, cross country thing yesterday. What the Chinese are doing? How about the American citizens who have renounced their chi- their American citizenship? Yeah, I know, and nice. joined the Chinese team. I'm not defending them. I mean, why would I want to she watch fell that? In her skating routine. Who? I, there's so many. Miserable, horrific things about this event. That, okay, but why would look, I choose the, to be part of this? But look at how many nope. thousands of athletes have devoted their lives. Uh-huh. Their athletic prowess is on display right now in crazy cool sports That's like great. luge. They don't need me. They don't. They're not thinking about Johnny Hall. No way. Yeah, but they want you to be thinking about them I'm because not, they're I, young people who have gotten to this incredible level of expertise. You know, there's so many things about sports that I love. But really, the underbelly of many professional sports, which I will include the Olympics as a professional sport, is just heinous. The greed, the hypocrisy, the this, the nationalism on display here. I just there's so much I just despise about the Olympics. That it used to be every four years. Now it's every two years. Let's take the money to the bank. And, you know, I, I love the athletes. And, of course, you want to see the beauty of that. But not this time. Mm-hmm. Not with the Chinese. I'm sorry. I'm just not interested. So, like, the men's downhills? Nope. not. Mm-hmm. I have no interest. We're I'm not, not going to tune it in. We're not, no, figure, not, no figure skating? And it's not as though, like, you know, like, this is kind of funny. because this is the Four-man bobsled. This is the first time I've even, you know, brought this up. My wife and I, we haven't even talked about it. I, 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 I'm assuming... 
that she probably, you know, is on the same page with me, although we're not like, you know, joining in, you know, some thing together in the whole household. We just kind of go, meh. And I really haven't verbalized this until you brought it up right now, the depth of my feelings about this. I'm just not interested. Ski jump? Nothing. Nothing at all. Not no. even like a, a, Nothing. A, an alpine race of any Nothing. sort? Nope. I'm not, I'm, and you know me, I love the sports pages. I'm not going to read about the personalities involved. Wait, because you're taking a moral stand. I don't even know if it's a moral stand. I'm just disgusted by the whole thing, so I just, just choose to ignore it. It's not even a stand. What about it's speed skating? Nothing. Forget it. Not this year. Fare you well, Olympics. What? I watched some biathlon Saturday. Fabulous. They cross-country ski and then they shoot. You do what is best for your life. I, and I will choose I, I, to do what's I, I best want for you life. to. I want you also to invest in the biathlon. I'm not. I'm not going to go there. Um, my guess is I'm not alone either. I do, I have read a little brief something that you know. The Don't try to is bring down. the public along to your side. I'm not trying to. I'm just saying Come you make on. your own choices. This year with the Chinese and these crazy Olympics, I have zero interest. I'll catch you the summer. The Olympics little at some point. Swiss curler I watched yesterday is not. It's not her fault. Mm-mm. Sorry, I live on my memories. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.